Welcome to Pilates 101, the podcast where we bring you the latest and most up-to-date information on anything and everything to do with the Pilates industry to help you build your dreams and your businesses right now. Good morning, everyone. My name is Glenn Withers. I'm one of the founders of the Australian Physiotherapy and Pilates Institute, and it is my pleasure on behalf of myself, Elisa, and the whole APPI team to bring you another episode of Pilates 101. Uh, apologies in advance for my voice, uh, straining a little bit on the health side at the moment, but here to ensure that we can get this content out to you all, so please do bear with me. And today's episode is a long-awaited episode. Um, it's very, very uh, clear to us that this, what shall I say, nirvana, let's say go with the word nirvana, this nirvana of social media and the complexities around it, are a constantly changing environment and a constantly challenging environment to many of us as Pilates teachers and studio owners. And so to try to answer some of those burning questions that I have, that many of you have, that our Facebook support group have, I've been in touch with our social media guru called Lee Morgan. Now, Lee doesn't work for us or with us. I wanted someone very independent Um, But Lee is a Pilates teacher, a Pilates mentor, um, has been an amazing Pilates presenter for us on our APPI conferences when we have our large conferences pre, uh, shall we say, pre-pandemic when we used to do those big live meetings. Um, But Lee's one of my my, my favourite people in the world in that he's an extremely honest and upfront uh, individual. He's enormously entertaining and enormously knowledgeable on all aspects from both Pilates teaching, running Pilates businesses. And now over the last sort of five years or so, as you'll hear Lee talk about in the interview, he's moved his interest in, in business, if you like, away from being a Pilates studio owner to being a consultant helping other studios build successful businesses based around this enormity of what is social media. Um, and so I've posed an, a number of those burning questions to Lee around about, you know, just what social media should we be on? How does it work? How does social media actually bring me new clients to my business? Um, because many of you will know that uh, when you get involved in social media, it is this, this myriad of, of different elements, opinions, views. And I wanted to get to the crux of, as a studio owner, I want social media to get me new clients. Likes are good, uh, comments are great, followers are lovely, but unless it actually brings me new clients, what is it actually doing for me as a business? And so that's why I wanted to speak to Lee. And that's what we speak about. And I keep bringing him back to that same point. Okay, but how, you know, what is my time commitment as a studio owner? How much time do I need to do this? How many times do I need to post per week? What actually works for me? What platform should I be on, etc.? And what's refreshing in this interview with Lee that you'll hear in a moment is he does bring it back to seemingly a single point. And there is a bit of work for us to do as studio owners, but if we can outline this this single point that begins our social media journey that Lee talks about, then perhaps we can uh, make sure that what we are doing is actually making a difference to our businesses. So guys, that's the focus of today. I hope you enjoy the interview. I'll leave the rest of of the episode to Lee Morgan, a social media guru, Pilates mentor, and an all-round good bloke. I will uh, see you on the other side. Enjoy the interview. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And as I was saying in the intro here, we have an absolute treat for you as our guest today. Our Pilates 101 podcast this month is all about social media and how social media can help us as Pilates teachers and Pilates studio owners. And joining us is one of my very good friends, Mr. Lee Morgan. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? Hi, sir. I'm very, very well. Thank you very much for a very, very kind introduction. I wish the audience could see you because you're looking younger every day, COVID <laughs> or not. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Very kind of you. Definitely not true, but kind of you anyway. <laughs> um, now, guys, many of you will know Lee. If you've been on our conferences in years past, when uh, we used to have that strange thing, which is called a live event, um, we, Lee has been a feature of our conferences. So Lee's 
background comes from the army originally, um, and then I met Lee through the Pilates uh, presenter circuit. He's a master trainer for Peak Pilates, and we got him on board with our um, One Goal, One Community as one of those leaders in the industry, an absolutely phenomenal Pilates teacher, a phenomenal Pilates educator, and more recently, uh, if I am correctly, have moved across more into the consulting and social media world. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about sort of a little bit of that background, but more about sort of where you are today and why we're having this conversation. Great. Okay. Um, thank you, Glenn. So uh, let me just um, reverse engineer this then. So and, and I'll make this as concise as I possibly can because I am known for rambling. So as a lot of you will, will know, uh, I had a Pilates studio of my own. A big brick and mortar business, um, and I had it on a, 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 the building on a rental agreement for five years. And to cut a very long story short, midway through that period, I was working all the hours that were available to me and getting extremely fatigued and frustrated and so on and so forth. And in right in the middle, that two, two and a half year period uh, and time point, I had an epiphany. I had several epiphanies, and that moment was to transform my approach to teaching in a studio space. And for the next two and a half years, I scaled the business quite dramatically from what it was uh, achieving, both financially, uh, but most importantly, I stripped away all of the time that it was taking from me, pulled it back. I took ownership of that, and I reduced my working hours by 50% over the next two years and took my uh, the revenue generated by the business up by a further uh, 100% almost. So it was very much a win-win. Um, so in that period of time, I, my client base changed considerably. It went from being predominantly group into being predominantly private. There was an element of group in it, but it was predominantly private. And I had a decision to make at the five-year point, do I continue with the brick and mortar and sign a new lease and contract and so on and so forth, or do I do I do something quite different? At the time, as you know, Glenn, I was working with Pete Pilates as one of their master instructors. Uh, I was also under my own business, traveling the planet, um, educating people on various elements of Pilates and Pilates-related uh, fitness. So for me, and, and that's a passion of mine, as you know, coaching and consulting and being with people and taking them uh, on a journey is very much a passion. So I made the decision to actually close the business in that form. And I opened up a studio from my home and the studio itself became a dedicated private facility. So I stripped away all of the group, which freed up a certain amount of time for me, focused purely on the private, because when I worked on the private, then I was able to free up time for the traveling because I was traveling throughout the UK and Europe, South Africa, the Middle East, all over the shop and spells obviously in the US. So I needed that time. And that was working gangbusters. I absolutely thrilled, really easy to manage. Um, private clients were a joy, leaving them with homework to do that they would get on with. It was absolutely fantastic. But here's where everything changed again. I was consulting, consulting and coaching and coaching everything fitness and so on and so forth. But I had this fabulous success in two separate venues in close time proximity to one another. And the, a, a further epiphany came, why don't I do what I love to do, coaching, but now bring in an element of the business rather than the, the, the physical side of things, you know, the, the physiology and the biomechanics and a lot of fabulous stuff. Why not focusing on this? Because it was the one thing that I saw that was missing from throughout the Pilates industry, that there was not enough business coaching and that teachers were floundering because where I live in Ascot, there were so many Pilates teachers and none of them were doing tremendously well. And just for me, it was a case in point that something needed to happen there. And I was in a fortunate position to, I believed, to have the answers for that, to deal with that. So then I made that transition. Um, I let go of the studio completely, uh, moved into the business side of things. And then for the last three or four years, that's all I've been doing is focusing on the business side of things of Pilates businesses and health businesses in general and guiding business owners uh, through, as you've said, the swamp that is uh, social media, which changes like the British weather <laughs> every two seconds, um, and guide people 
and guide business owners to make the decisions that is the best for their unique circumstance. And I emphasize the word unique mm-hmm. because there's not one Pilates teacher that's identical to another. Okay, yes, of course, of course. Well, right, so I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, all right, well, there goes the entire hour that I had planned to actually uh, <laughs> There's ask loads. you about. We've got loads. So we might, have to, we might have to come back to a couple of things that you've said in that maybe we need to, to uh, do a different podcast and, and in, investigate the bravity, if that is a word, around some of those choices you've just said that you've made because I'm listening to you sat here as a business owner having gone through the last three years of, of very, very difficult challenges and you've sat and been able with a very clear mind obviously to weigh up pros and cons and make some very life-affirming choices which for a lot of studio owners and a lot of uh, Pilates teachers out, out there, that would be a very confronting thing to not only, you know, walk away I mean you mentioned there that in a very short space of time you decreased your time involvement by 50 percent increased your revenue by over a hundred percent and yet still had the bravery to say you know what actually I'm going to go and do this differently I think that's enormously brave I think it's enormously interesting and I think the listeners would probably want me to go and delve back into that so I'm going to highlight the fact that I am very interested in that and perhaps we can sort of do a a day in the life or, or, or one of those lifetime <laughs> lifetime yeah, um, sure. documentaries on Lee Morgan that we see on, on Panorama one day. Um, <laughs> but the, what I do want to get into with you, Lee, is this concept of social media and utilising social media to help a Pilates business grow. Because, you know, I have people that, that work on social media for me um, and I have you know, everyone telling me the importance of social media and I want to make it very clear in the podcast today that our focus is on the Pilates studio business or the Pilates teacher. Um, it would be easy for us to talk about it from an education point of view and I can see on sort of the education point of view and the product side point of view of the business that we run how valuable the engagement through social media can be and how it can lead to direct sales and direct engagement and course bookings and what have you. Where I struggle, honestly, is on the clinical side of our business. It's like, okay, we do all this stuff on social media, but really, to me, and maybe this is where I need to be educated more, to me, the return on investment of social media on a Pilates business has got to be clients because, you know, likes are lovely. People watching your content is lovely. But I hope this doesn't come across right or wrong, but, I mean, there's got to be an ego element to that if it's not coming to, does it bring me more clients into my studio? Because really that's what I'm interested in. So I want to explore that first off with you. How or what is the, or a way, because we're not necessarily the best way because it's going to be different for every person, but how do we look at this myriad of social media? And let me narrow it down perhaps a little bit for brevity of conversation. Let's focus on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and when we say social media, let's take it as we're talking about those three elements of, of social media, for example. And, and please tell me if I'm not choosing the right three and there's one from a studio owner we should be looking at more. But how do I utilise that for the benefit of me as a studio owner to get clients? What you've just done there is ask the, the most important question above all. And you've, you've got about it in a very good, in a very clever way because it helps me come in and correct you. Okay. Because, because it's, it's really important. We, we all make mistakes in all areas of life and we need someone to come in and say, actually, you know, there's a better way. So let me go back, with, back to your choice. You've said, let's choose these three. This is the number one thing that everyone needs to understand first and foremost. You cannot and you dare not throw a hat up into the sky and whenever it lands on the social media platform, say, that's the one I'm going in on. Because the one thing that you do not know at that point is whether or not that's where your clients are or at this stage, prospects, leads, because they aren't yet clients. You don't know where they are. So guess what? You've got to do some homework. And this, is, this can be one of the most arduous elements of the whole social media journey 
But if you do this well, this will save you a ton of time and a lot of heartache. You will have known, Glenn, because you're, you're an incredible business uh, businessman, business brain, and both an incredible business. When you are, for instance, with your, um, mat, let's call it a matwork course, when you're pitching your matwork course, you are determining something called your client or customer avatar. You're creating this vision of who that person is that I want to send this opportunity to. When you have that picture, that image in your mind or on paper, ideally, of who that person is, all you now need to do is go and find them. That's it in a nutshell. So the struggle comes then, well, how do I determine who that customer is? Because we could all say, well, here's a, here's a common problem, a common challenge that a lot of businesses have, a lot of businesses have, that they will pitch the fact in their community that they are a Pilates teacher. And they will hope that that term Pilates will be enough to get them clients. And they will get clients. Full stop, they're 100%, they'll get clients. But the problem is they'll have males, they'll have females, they'll have older population, they'll have younger, they have teens, they have people coming to them with bad backs, they have people coming with pregnancy, they have people for uh, fall prevention, they have people for musculoskeletal problems, working alongside therapy and therapists and so on and so forth. What they have is essentially a mixed bag. So there's not one type of person that they can go after based on that. It's a mixed bag. So the problem is, if you think just at an age level, the difference in social media use from the older population to the younger population is massive. You know, there are a younger population having a whale of a time on Instagram and TikTok. The older population are, are very much embedded in Facebook and Instagram. There's a mixed bag of people um, loitering in YouTube and plus a myriad of other social media platforms as well that people are spending their time on. You mentioned um, Twitter, obviously there's LinkedIn lurking over there as well, which is an incredible platform. So from age alone, that's one decision that you have to make. Believe it or not, there's also a gender decision because there is, and I hope nobody gets upset with this because there's no offense meant at anything that I'm about to say, but from a gender perspective, if you look at the statistics that are readily available online, just go to Google, type them in for social media usage. There's a difference between the male gender and the female gender in terms of platform use and frequency of use and times of use. And when you're able to understand that as well, that also points you toward your better platform. Now, here's where things start to get really exciting because most platforms have more than one element to them that we're able to utilize for attracting prospects and leads to our business. If you use uh, Facebook as an example, you have your typical news feed on your profile page that you put in content and there'll be a certain level of engagement that will happen through that, providing obviously you have your friends list, but you also have stories and they're two very different elements within the platform to use. You look at Instagram, exactly the same. You have the newsfeed on Instagram, then you have reels, two very different things, very used and utilized very differently. Then you look at TikTok, which is video. You look at Pinterest, which is video slash text, infographic, and so on and so forth. But again, a great platform to engage with the prospective audience. You look at YouTube, 100% video. You do not want to be relying on YouTube, for instance, for anything text-based. You can flood it with links and things, but predominantly it's, it's video. So then you have to consider, okay, well, in my demographic, who is looking at videos? And more importantly, if they're looking at videos, how much time are they prepared to spend looking at videos? Who is reading? Who wants to read more? If they want to read more, where's the best platform for me to actually create something in text form so they can read it? Then you have to consider, and this is where now people's eyes might start to glaze over, but do not be daunted by this. And in fact, this will actually spill over into video in a second. There's a difference between long form text and short form text. Long form text, 
pick up a book, you know, sit back and be prepared to absorb, you know, as much time as you have reading that thing. Long, uh, short form text is when you don't have that, that much uh, time that you want to read something. So it's up to you then, the social media manager, to actually create something that your audience is prepared to read through or watch or listen. I refer to your podcast. You know, these are all different elements, different places and things that you can utilize. Does that make sense so far? Yep, so far I'm following you uh, and I'm sort of summarising that out in that the question we posed to to you isn't a straightforward question in that you've got to do the homework first and actually rather than thinking about the platform first, thinking about your who is your client demographic first and then do some investigation to see, okay, well, which of these various platforms would they be most likely to be on? And how do I best utilize that platform, i.e. be it video or text or what have you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and here's here's the reason for this, Glenn. How many times, well, I can speak for myself, certainly. How many times I go on to uh, review someone's website, review a client's website, and they see those dreaded uh, social media links on that website somewhere. We've got a YouTube account, we've got an Instagram account, we've got a Facebook account. And I think my first thought is, okay, great. Who's managing this? That's the first quote. Who is managing your social media? Then I'll take the time to actually delve into each of those links. And on the rare occasions, those links actually work. They send me to an account and I look at the account. And what's the first thing that I notice? Inconsistency of posting. Now, I know why. You know why. And the audience will know why. Because creating content takes time. But the problem is that your audience wants you to be consistent. And if you aren't, there's nothing to keep them there. Because now they find somebody else to replace you. On the days that you aren't posting, someone else is. So now if you're utilizing social media as a leverage to gaining clients through an audience, if you aren't consistent, they're gone. It's just like owning a corner shop. If you're in a village and there are two corner shops and this corner shop is closed on a Monday, but this one is open seven days a week, those individuals looking for a loaf of bread or a pint of milk are going to migrate. Now, when they migrate, if they've had a great shopping experience, where are they going to come back to next time? Mm-hmm. That's, that's how fickle loyalty is. Yep, I get, and, and I know that you're going to be continuing on with a point, but I have to ask this given the point you've just raised. Yeah. Because I have this conversation with so many people. You've spoken about consistency, and I get that. So tell us about that then. How often should I be posting or not? What is that consistency and regularity versus harassing people and doing too much? Is, is, there a, is there a rule on this or is it, again, different for each person? How do, we, how do we know that? You're going to hate this, but your audience is going to love it because there's a marked difference between how you are going to be utilizing social media compared to the listeners on the podcast, okay? The listeners on the podcast are business owners, small business owners. In fact, do you know this, the, uh, what, what company's house refers to as a small business? It's a business with, with less than 6 million turnover. I was, was going to say, isn't it, yeah, isn't it still up to something like 5 <laughs> or 6 million? <laughs> so most, most people listening to this today will, will actually be the proud owners of a micro-business. Now, that puts things into, prior, into the perspective. You're a micro-business owner. There's nothing wrong with being a micro-business owner. But... Micro-business owners have a ceiling, typically, of the number of clients that they're able to fulfill. If you are the proud owner of a Pilates studio micro-business, you will have one objective in mind in getting clients, and that is to hold on to them for as long as you conceivably can. The lifetime value 
in your client needs to be much more than just six weeks or 12 weeks or two months or three months. It should be in the long term. And I used to have, this is one of the epiphanies that I had in my own studio. One of the things that I did to accommodate that was I dealt with someone's uh, acute problems, acute challenges. And the moment that we took them through that point where they overcame that and they reached that point of being almost, you know, free and able to leave, we'd really emphasis on what's next. What's next? What's the next opportunity? And as long as we did that, they'd stay for longer. So for your uh, podcast listeners, with these micro-businesses, they need to go in with that approach. Social media should be utilized as a leverage to get leads and prospects into the business that stay for the long term, which means you then don't have to worry about social media posting because you're full of clients. That's, in a nutshell, that's it. Isn't that contradictory to the fact that you're saying that we need to be consistent on social media? Yes, but yes and no. We need to be consistent to get to that stage of capacity. We're, as a business owner, if I'm utilizing social media for an, a different reason other than working with clients, then we need to address what that reason is. And if that reason means that I need to be utilizing social media forever and a day to build an audience, to build this, because it's not just about a class or a lesson or whatever it is, whether it's online or offline, that's different. Because when you get to that saturation point of clients in your micro business, there's a way to do this. I created, and this is a massive, do not ask for details of what I'm about to tell you, because this is, this is gold. I created a system on how to fill a class from first point, social media, marketing, conversion from there, into filling a class for long-term, long-term commitment, long-term um, commitment from the, from the client, which means that I can actually, I can not right now, I can go into any studio. If a client says to me, how can I fill this? I've got all these hours. I can go in and effectively fill their schedule within a four to six week period of time with clients that stay for the long term. Then take the burden and pressure of social media away from them because part of that process is they build a waiting list simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So anyone that's then utilizing, like I say, social media for leveraging clients, they then reach a point that they don't have to, they don't need to because Every single class that they have has a waiting list. So they don't need to, to worry too much about bringing in traffic and the outreach and the inbound and the outbound and, the, and stuff like that. You, on the other hand, you have a problem in the sense that you're trying to attract clients, students from all over, all of the time, forever and a day to fill a variety of courses. So that problem doesn't exist for you. The, pro the challenge for you is... To, to be consistent all of the time, to find content that will resonate with people that perhaps don't know you as well as those that do, and be that figurehead and be that, that brand that is there all of the time for newbies coming in, because the market obviously is expanding in health. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I'm going to circle you back without going into details of that system that you've just told us, which certainly does sound like gold. And I'm sure people out there listening to that are thinking of that. I know, um, you know, myself, because obviously I am a studio owner and we are looking to generate clients. We've come out of the pandemic and we're still significantly down on the number of clients we had pre-pandemic. Now, part of that is a, a staffing issue and a recruitment issue, et cetera. Um, but, you know, also there's an enormous amount of, of clients that, didn't come back into the studio. Um, and so that's really, you know, my, my focus and my interest is very much on that first part of what you're talking about, which is, you know, continuing to attract 
clients to our studios because you know where this you know, we are in the same situation as most of the people out there listening to this podcast in that you know we 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 still have that dead time in our studios we're still not at the same capacity that we were pre-pandemic now i mean having said that yes we have a, a larger facility we have a large sort of space to fill we have got a number of hours in a week that we are looking to fill so let me we circle back without going into details obviously of what you're talking about there that question in relation to posting is there any rule of thumb around how many times i should or shouldn't be posting per day per week what's the the you know even a ballpark guidance there yeah that is a great question so so there are two parts of the answer if you go to regardless of your social media platform of choice if you go to that platform, there will be a recommended best day and best time to post on this platform. However, that's rule of thumb, generalized statements, quite sweeping to anyone using the platform. It changes subtly from business to business. There's a best day. There's a best time. However, that tells you there's one best day and one best time. But here's the thing. Let's go back to choosing your avatar. Let's see, you build your avatar, you find out who that is. That person uses this particular platform, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Let's, let's, go, let's say Facebook is, is the most popular one anyway. So let's say Facebook. When you utilize Facebook, there are so many fabulous ways that you can use it to actually engage with people, the things that you can actually do in there. At the very minimum, you should be posting once a day. At the very minimum, once a day, once a day. And, and there are two reasons for this, Glenn. One of them is fabulous. One of them is not so fabulous. The fabulous way, the fabulous reason is you will build an engaged audience through that consistency. Your avatar, let's say, because it's easy, back pain. Let's say midlife males back pain, but just because it's simple. What made you think of that, Lee? <laughs> No experience in that whatsoever. <laughs> okay, midlife male back pain. We find the platform that um, midlife males are actually using, and a lot of them are on Facebook, like 47% of, of users of Facebook, 48% are, are males. And, and it's that mid-range demographic, 40 to 60 is very, very popular. So we go there. And then we start to attract that specific audience, midlife males with back pain. And we bring them into our profile page. And that's another subject. If you want to expand on how to use Facebook, because this is a real bugbear of mine um, to leverage clients. We'll talk about that in a second. They're in there, they're on your page. And now you have one demographic to whom you speak. You don't have to speak about anything else. You're talking to men, middle-aged with back pain. Now, when is a man likely to be experiencing back pain? Which part of his day? When he gets out of bed in the morning, there's an opportunity. Morning routine. You've got golfing activities, seating in a car or commuting, whatever else, playing with children, whatever it is. All these little areas provide you with opportunities and content, but it also provides you with opportunity of times of content. This is your morning routine. Tomorrow morning, I'm going live at 6 a.m. When you wake up, make sure you come in 10 minutes. I'm going to take you through this live stretching routine. Great. This is your bedtime routine. I'm going live at 9 p.m. for 15 minutes and so on and so forth. You can leverage that and you can do that in a day. You know, you can then support that with additional short or long-term content written, such as a guide, for instance, that you can put into that um, into that. Um, um, account. And the more content that you put out, there's a caveat of value, mm. content of value. If the content is not of value, you are wasting your time. You might as well not bother. So the content must be of value and must attract the attention, must grab the attention of that person, that middle-aged man with back pain, to want to listen, to watch, to read, whatever that thing is. And then you do that consistently. Okay. That's key. Frequency, at least once a day, at least once a day. The more content, the better. You can't get away from that. 
but you can't get away from that from a slightly different perspective, okay, and a slightly different reason. Facebook, uh, above all other social media platforms, is proving to be quite challenging at the moment with their algorithm and algorithm changes. From an organic reach perspective, it's really quite challenging. Okay, it's really quite challenging. So your content has to be created with not only the consumer in mind, but the algorithm. You have to work with the algorithm to reach the client. So the greater the frequency of your post, of your posts, and the greater consistency of the type of content, the more information you feed into the algorithm, which makes it easier for the algorithm to push content to a broader audience. So when you're searching for people on social media and on Facebook, if you're going in with tales about this and stories about that and videos about this, there are things called data sets that are being created and built in the background through this algorithm that are associated with your account. And they're filling with data. The problem is the greater the variety, the more data sets, the less or rather the more confused the algorithm is to who this account is for, which is really unhelpful to you, the business owner. And this is why people get really upset, really concerned with reach and engagement on their account, with whichever platform and so on. They just don't see it growing. And they don't see it growing for those main reasons there. They're not creating content for a single avatar, and they're not working with the algorithm. And like it or not, you have to. And is that therefore what you mean by creating valued content? Because I think this is another big issue, right? And then we're going to circle back in a moment to something you touched on earlier and something I had written down here was the element of time. And as a studio owner, and let's sort of, for the purpose of the conversation, let's view the person we're talking about here predominantly as an owner-operator. They're running their studio. They're working in their studio. They're seeing clients 20, 30 hours a week. They've got a couple of people that are working for them. And obviously people management, you know, there's a, a drain on your time as well. And so now we have content creation that we have to build into this. But just creating content for the sake of creating content to tick that box to say, okay, great, you know, I've posted today, therefore you know, I've done what I should on the social media side. And I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to circle back to the focus being gaining clients, retaining clients, not, you know, and, and maybe these things are interlinked, but I, mean, I have constant conversations about, you know, reach is great, engagement is great. This many people watched a post, great. You know, how come I haven't got a client in my clinic this week? Right? So all of this is fantastic, but actually the new client list this week tells me nothing about what social media has done for my business. So can we touch a little bit on what you spoke about there in terms of creating valued content? Is, does that come back to the point you seem to be hammering home to us about creating the avatar and knowing who it is that you're trying to create content for rather than creating Pilates content that is just Pilates content? 100%. That, that, you just nailed it. It's as simple as that. It's 100%. So let's take this concept you've said, because this is what does interest me. Right? You have taken this concept of uh, you know, that, that rare beast of a middle-aged man with back pain. In a Pilates business, we have many different types of clients, right? I look at my business and you know, my clients that come into my center range from, you know, eight, nine-year-olds through to 80-year-olds. So is that a challenging prospect on the business owner to really say, okay, well, who is your predominant client? And let's focus on, on, on that cohort, so to speak, rather than saying, well, you know, I do see, you know, we do see everything. We do see kids. We do see older populations. We do see middle-aged men. Actually, the majority of our business is females, but 
you know, we still see a decent amount of males. Is, is, is that the underlying challenge here to allow us the clarity to say, okay, that's all good and well, but who are we targeting at the moment and therefore just focus on that? Yeah, it, it, it's such a great, uh, it's a great question, Glenn, and it's a really keen observation as well because, as, as you know, and I, I've, I've heard you say this on the podcast previously and I, I've seen you read it and I've heard you at the conference as well, one of the struggles that we have in this sector, in this industry, is we want to help people. That's a real problem, that we want to help people. Not only do we want to help people, we want to help everyone. And that's the biggest problem that we face. We do that by spreading ourselves thinly. And that was my problem in my studio. I was working 60 to 80 hours a week there and exalt, and that's just teaching. That's not the management that was, that's just teaching. Because yes, come in, yeah, absolutely, I can help you. Yes, come in, this will work wonders. The problem with that is it reaches a stage where you're confused and it is confusing. And it's, it's one of the main reasons why people don't fill classes, group classes, because they, you're not suitable for this class, but I don't want to give you that. I don't want to create a class because you don't, there's only one of you and there's four in this class because this is, and it just creates this spiral effect of absolute confusion. But here's the thing, and this is, this could actually be helpful for community. If there, if there are, any, if there's anyone listening to this podcast today with another Pilates teacher that lives close to them in the same town or village, this is an opportunity for the pair of you, or the three of you, or the four, the five of you, to dominate the space within your your community. But you've got to be courageous, and you have to trust. What you need to do is create the avatar. You create your avatar. Done. Now let's say you're mad and you love avatars. Okay, great. Create avatars within your one business. One, two, three, four, five avatars. That's fine. Okay, so you've got your five avatars. The focal point for you should be if you're group teaching, if you're group teaching, go after one single avatar to fill a class. One single avatar. That then creates consistency and you become known in your community as someone that actually deals really well in this one avatar and you have a class for that one avatar that's named whatever it is for that one avatar. So then when it comes the time that maybe one eventually drops out, you can replace it with some from your waiting list or you can mark it specifically to that avatar because you know so much about that, that particular body. If you have two or three or five avatars, which I do not recommend you do, you can do the same, but you focus on a specific avatar, a specific uh, class, one, one, one class, one avatar, one offer, one outcome, consistency. It's so important. And then you, you go back to utilize social media around the, the, the message around that one single avatar. Let me just expand on what I, what I said earlier. Now, as I said, with choosing the avatar and choosing the best social media platform, choosing the avatar, one of the things that you can do is do a bit of a deep dive into your local population. How many humans live where you live? What demographic are they? What's the balance between male and female? What ages are they? Who works? Who doesn't work? This is all available on Google. It's all there. You're just going to get some regional statistics and you have this information. Not least if you join any local groups on Facebook, you'll see uh, the, the, the demographics that, that, that is there. Now, most people end up in Pilates because of an experience that they had themselves whether that was a human physical issue that they had that rehabilitated them or they experienced it subliminally through somebody else's experience and they were affected by it, and they find themselves going in. That is usually an individual teacher's passion and the reason why they found themselves in there and the reason for wanting to continue. Now, let's make this a little bit more extreme and interesting. Oh, if you can, oh, excuse that mad beast of mine upstairs, Glenn, if you can hear her. She's clearly been walking from her slumber. Let's say 
your passion was horse riding. And the reason you found Pilates is because you fell off a horse, hurt your back or your neck or shoulder, whatever it was. And you went through an APPI trained expert in reconstruction of the body and you were inspired. Now, that's your passion. The fact you fell off a horse would suggest that this horse riding that takes place where you live. How many other individuals ride horses where you live? How many have stables? How many owners have stables? Um, it, uh, are there, is there jumping that, that goes on where you, where you live? Is there polo? Is there whatever there is? Is there potential for you to fill your schedule with horse-related individuals? All you need is X, and X equals, are you teaching group or private? How many hours is that going to be each week? How many people in a, in a group, ideally for you, do you want to do this online or offline? Find out those numbers and then marry them up to that particular demographic size. That if they exist in sufficient numbers, there's a potential for you there. And you can then become known as the horse-related Pilates expert. Everything equestrian. Same goes for pregnancy. Pregnancy is a hot, hot subject for Pilates teachers. It's such an opportunity. But I, I very rarely see a, a, a pregnancy or a, a pregnancy-related specialist in Pilates who's dominating the local market, which defies logic, in my opinion. If you've got a population of, of, of women who are giving birth, there's such an opportunity there for you for you know preconception, getting the body ready, taking the body through pregnancy, taking the body out of pregnancy, and then after that, what comes? And you become known as the dominant force in the area specifically for pregnancy. And all you have to do is go on to a statistical website to find how many births were in your area. You'll see that one of the great things to do, actually, is do a simple Google search or a simple search on social media, how many pre-postnatal classes there are, how many, uh, what's the, the, I was going to call it an NFT then, but it's not an NFT. (laughs) (laughs) NCT, thank you very much, the National Childbirth Trust. If there's a National Childbirth Trust in the area, guess what? There's a lot of women giving birth. So therefore, there's an opportunity because, again, if you're running group, find out the population size, that you're there, you're done. If you're in private, same thing, same thing. And all the information is there. You just have to go be a little creative in finding it. And then when you find it, Based on your passion, if that's what you want to pursue, all you have to do is make sure that there's enough of that demographic to fill the time that you have available to teach. Right, so let me let me ask you that T word thing because look, everything you're saying sounds very straightforward, and it sounds like something that you know everyone could take on board and partake in. But the thing that I know the questions we're going to get after this or the people listening to this must be thinking, oh, this is great, but how, do, how much time does it take to find all this information? And I don't have the time to do that because I'm teaching however many hours a week. And this must be the same sort of cycle that many of the clients that you've helped break out of this cycle must be in and that we're so focused on the teaching and we want our businesses to grow, but you know we're too busy actually doing the job. So it's much harder for us to work on the business because we're too much in the business the whole time so let's take it because that the, the the question of time is such an elaborate question so to speak and so uh, diverse for different people so let me try and simplify it a little bit to say on you know in on average if this is even a thing uh, how much time uh, and maybe you can put this in percentage terms or time terms but how much time do i need to be committing to my social media in order for it to be successful when I still have to see my clients, manage my staff, pay the bills, etc. There's there's one I really want to give you this going to go, oh, is that all? But there's others going to go, oh my gosh, really? So the first thing that you have to do is ask your clients. Ask your clients, if I create content on social media, what do you want from me? I'll give you uh, uh, an example. I recently, one of my groups ran a series of polls 
and the polls were based around that very subject. What do you want in the form of social media? What does it need to look like? How long do you want it? And we eventually came back with, they wanted content that they were able to read that was 90 seconds in duration. Okay. That's it. Okay. So they wanted something hovering a minute and a half that had value to it. And then I, I did a little bit of research online and found that I need to create something around 190 words. So I have to create something of value in, in, in content form, short form written, that provides a message, provides value. And that's, that's great. I won't lie to you, coming up with content consistently, daily, once a day, that, that matches that is tough. It's, it's, it's tough because you want it to be fresh and you want it to be this and you want it to be that. But there's a way around this, which is really helpful. This is, this is one of the things that made it easy for me. When you are working with a single demographic, your focus is on one subject matter. So all you need to have is a whiteboard or a pad or a spreadsheet or something and list initially all the elements that are associated with that particular demographic, with that pain point. Things that, how does back, we go back to back pain, okay, waking up in the morning, what the first thing you should do, you know, how to stay hydrated in the daytime to alleviate it, how to stretch and blah, blah, blah. And you make a list of all of the various things that, that you can write about, that you can write about that for that. That's going to help that demographic. Now you've got a couple of options. You can either go piecemeal or do a 90-second short form on this, and we write about that, write about that, write about that. Or you can create a story. And the story is, okay, how, how do we, we start off with this typing from A and we get to B and we get to C to D to D to D. And one of the ways you could do that, for instance, is a 24-hour period. Okay, so a day in the life of a middle-aged man with back pain. Bob gets up in the morning and he does this and he da-da-da and he da, da, da. Then he goes da-da-da and da-da-da. Before you know it, you've got something there that's thousands of words long. That's just you focusing on a typical day in the, in, in the life of. You can also do this, which is really interesting and, and really simple. You can create a video. You can create a video one time that will give you all of that written text, written content. And all you need to do is take that, take that video, put it onto something like Rev, and it will actually, what's the word? Turns it into text form for you. Just right. breaks it down. And then you're able to just extract, copy, paste, copy, paste, and there's your, there's your content that that's done in, in, at one time. I will also say uh, this, that, you know, my clients, for instance, they get uh, a schedule of, of social social media posts of types of content that they should be pushing out that attracts the greatest uh, the greatest interest in the audience. And sometimes, frequently, I should say, there's not that ninety second reading or one hundred and sixty odd word, one hundred and ninety word, whatever. There could be, for instance, a cartoon, or there could be a quote. Or there could be an experience of one of the one of the other clients or patients, Friday win or something like that. That all packs out and creates substance in the, the creation of the content. So you then don't necessarily need to keep coming up with that same level and depth of, of, of content. But the key is that whatever content you do post is relevant to the audience. If you're putting out a funny uh, cartoon or some description, it must speak, it must resonate with that, that audience. But here's, here's the next stage. Here's, and this is something, again, that people don't understand. When you come into a platform, a social media platform, you start at ground zero. There's nobody following you. Then you put content and people follow you. And over time, your following grows. But what doesn't grow necessarily is a consistency of the same audience viewing your content. Someone will come in one day, read something you've written, and then not come back for another two or three days. So they've missed two or three posts of yours. Okay, And that happens all of the time throughout social media. 
So one of the things that you do have available to you as a social media manager is reusing, repurposing the same content. So for instance, if you created 28 pieces of content to go into Facebook newsfeed, after 28 days, you go back to the beginning and use the same content again, because the chances are it's going to be a different set of eyeballs looking at that content for the first time. And you just rinse and repeat that process. And that becomes a very simple task because, again, I, I, bring, I bring your mind back to the fact of why you're using social media in the first place. You're only using it to leverage it to get clients. When you're saturating your, your, your time with and, and your availability to teach, that's it. It's, it's no longer essential for you because you've, you have your clients and you have your waiting list. So you don't become reliant on social media anymore. So that commitment does not necessarily need to be for the long term. Yep. It can be very much around the short term. You know, for, for your work, it's similar, but it's different because your demographics, for instance, as well as being Pilates teachers, we throw that term out of the way. Then we've got people coming in for mat work and people coming in for apparatus and then all of the various subdivisions of the education that you teach. So you have greater opportunity to create consistent content across each of those wide areas. What I'll do just there, Lee, is just before you keep going, because Ella, our social media manager, is probably listening to this. And if you keep talking, she's going to get me to do more work and create more content. <laughs> so I'm going to, because you're, you're starting to go down a road that's just creating uh, tasks for me. So I'm going to, I'm also conscious of, of our, our time here and, and you've been very generous with your time and giving that to us today. So I do want to start to, to wrap up a little bit. And I did have a final question here that I was going to pose to you and I'm pretty certain I, I think I might know the answer to this, but I'm going to pose it anyway. So I've listened to all of this. I've taken in as much of this as I can, obviously, through this, this medium of a, a podcast. And so I've got to do one thing tomorrow that's going to start to help me to utilize social media to grow my business. One thing, one task. What, in your experience and with your advice, would that one task be? It's the avatar. So I, I, I thought that was the answer. <laughs> it was a little, you know, it was a little... A little brief in terms of what the, the, the final big reveal is, but I'm pretty certain that was going to be your answer. Well, look, let, let me, uh, it's been very, very insightful for me, Lee, very insightful. Um, what I'd, I'd like to do, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that uh, are fascinated by what you have to say, but don't have the support around them or, or, or maybe don't have the access to that support. So can you let us know in terms of accessing yourself what how how do people if they're out there and they're interested in speaking to you about you helping them with their businesses um uh, how do they find you what are your handles websites facebook etc so this this may or may not surprise people but you'll only find me these days on one platform because of obvious reasons it's the simplest platform to use and and to manage in that platform at the moment is is facebook so you can find me on Facebook under Lee Morgan. I'm, I'm having a, a, a bigger, bigger presence inside of the APPI group inside of Facebook at the moment and trying to support and help as many people in there right now as well. I, I've opened up uh, a new group that I've invited people to come into uh, to explore because the one thing that I wanted to do, like I say, is, is Build people's awareness of utilizing and leveraging the social media, whatever it is. So you can, you can come on in, just search, search for me, search for me through the APPI website. And then from there, you know, send me a friend request first and foremost. If you communicate with anyone on Facebook, first thing you need to do is send them face uh, a friend request because the algorithm will block you left, right, and center otherwise. So send me a friend request, send me any DMs, and I'll send you some links and whatever to, to the group that's just opened, uh, which has started to take on your, your own um, students, which is, is exciting. But yeah, you get me there. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, 
Um, guys, those of you listening to this, I'm sure there's um, a bunch of you that uh, are interested in getting in touch with Lee. You might have some questions that you'd like to pose to us. So please do send those through into the Institute as well at appihealthgroup.com. Um, Lee, it's been absolutely fascinating. I'm sure we could have spoken all afternoon, um, <laughs> but I know that you have much to get on with as well. So thank you very much for your time. And um, I'm sure we will uh, meet again and maybe do one of these again in a few months' time. Anytime at all. My pleasure, Glenn. Thank you.